This podcast was produced by Big Night Media, a proud partner of Big Night Entertainment. Hey, you know what? It's really fun to be here. Y'all know that theme music. What's up, what's up, what's up? How are we doing? How are we doing? And welcome to episode 125, episode 125 of the Banner Branch Podcast. I am your host and favorite Boston Celtics season ticket holder, Timmy G. How's everyone doing? Hope you had a super duper weekend. You can find me on the Twitter machine at Banner Banter 18 or on Facebook and Instagram at Banner Banter Podcast. And as you know, I'm part of the Big Night Media team with some fantastic podcasts like Boston Uncommon with Joe Maz, The Marky P Show, Drinks After Work, Those Girls You Know, I'm the Promoter, He's the DJ, Eat the Damn Cake, Let's Be Clear with Kayla, Burnt Toast, It's Always Something with jd a uh, new one called 30 flirty and surviving and then if you're in sports cards don't forget to head over to bignightbreaks.com and we are also a manscape podcast that's right the podcast is sponsored by manscape and you can go to manscape.com and get some unbelievable products and get 20 percent off with free shipping using the code big night all one word big night they have Awesome products. Obviously, the Lawnmower 4.0 for the gentleman down there, the best ball shaver this side of the Mississippi, if not ever. Then you also have the Weed Whacker for your nose and ears hairs, the Crop Preserver, which is the anti shaving ball deodorant. They have a brand new refined cologne which is actually signatured by Manscaped. It's legit, and you're, you're going to smell like royalty. It's absolutely awesome. So head over to manscaped.com, get 20% off with free shipping using the code Big night. Go ahead and do it. Now, before we really dive into everything that's going on with the Boston Celtics, just a, a couple small announcements. Uh, the first is, I just want to say congratulations to Kevin Garnett, Kobe Bryant, Tim Duncan, and everyone else in the 2020 Hall of Fame class that got inducted over the weekend at Mohegan Sun. An incredible ceremony for sure. Kevin Garnett, obviously, played for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Most people may know him for playing for the Boston Celtics and bringing Banner 17 our way. I will forever be grateful for being able to see Kevin Garnett as much as I did being a season ticket holder at TD Garden every night from, what, 07 to 12, 2012, 2013, whatever the case may be. Kobe Bryant, obviously, rest in peace. His wife, Vanessa, had a beautiful, powerful speech, especially with Michael Jordan standing right next to her. Absolutely fantastic. And shout out to Michael Jordan for probably not crying and creating a new meme about him. So props there. And then Tim Duncan. I mean, one of the most, I feel like, underappreciated top five big men of all time. Tim Duncan was incredible. The guy won, what, four or five rings with the San Antonio Spurs. Doesn't get the respect that he should get. You know, obviously KG gets a lot of it because of his energy and all the noise that he would make on and off the court. But Tim Duncan, the definition of class. So congratulations 
to all three of them and everyone else in that 2020 class. The 2021 class has also been announced, and Paul Pierce is the headliner. That's right, the captain and the truth, Paul Pierce, will be part of the 2021 Basketball Hall of Fame class. So cool, so happy for him. Not going to lie, insert Michael Scott smiling, crying gif here because Paul Pierce, if you're my age, is everything for the Boston Celtics basketball in this state, New England, the city, whatever the case may be. It's Paul Pierce. So congratulations to the captain and the truth. Also Ben Wallace, Chris Bosch, and Chris Weber. I don't know about Chris Bosch. I don't know about Ben Wallace. I mean, Ben Wallace, obviously a four-time defensive player of the year, won a couple championships with the Pistons in the early 2000s. One of the crazier, most athletic, most buff guys the NBA has ever seen in a long time that was actually good. Chris Bosh, I think, had a great career. I just don't know if it's a Hall of Fame career. And then Chris Weber should be in the Hall of Fame. He was fantastic with the Warriors, the Washington Bullets at the time, the Sacramento Kings, and then obviously the Fab Four with Michigan and everything that they did for college basketball, whether it was good or bad. So congratulations to him. Bill Russell, he's also getting inducted into the Hall of Fame as the first African-American coach ever to do that. So congratulations to Bill Russell. So he'll be in there as a player and a coach, just like Tommy Heinsohn and I'm sure a few others. And then the one that, you know, obviously Paul Pierce makes me very happy, but the one that really makes me smile is Mike Gorman. Mike Gorman will get the Kurt Gowdy Media Award, and how he handled it on the broadcast against the New York Knicks yesterday was absolutely fantastic. He basically demanded that Tommy Heinsohn also gets that award as well down the road. Obviously, I feel like if Tommy Heinsohn was around, both of them would get that award together they would be there together next year for uh you know the induction the enshrinement whatever the whatever the uh, cool name is but they would both be there together and i loved how mike gorman talked about he would literally cut his award in half if tommy doesn't get inducted not only as a coach which he already is a player as he already is but now as a broadcaster so congratulations to mike gorman i've always wanted to be mike gorman i think he's the classiest nicest best NBA announcer around. Obviously, I may be a little biased, but he tells a great story. He lets the game play itself. He's been around for a long time. He was around when my dad was around, your dad was around, your older brother, you know, older sister, whatever the case may be. He's been around forever. He's the voice of the Celtics, and I would love his job. I would love to do play-by-play for the Celtics, but here we are. So, That's that. So congratulations to everyone who got inducted into the Hall of Fame over the weekend, and congratulations to the upcoming class that is going to get inducted into the Hall of Fame. So it is officially playoff time, play-in game, whatever the case may be, but the postseason is here for the NBA, and the Banner Banter podcast will be here every single basically almost every single day. I mean, for those of you joining the podcast for the first time this season, I will be posting a new episode the morning after every single playoff game, and that includes the play-in game. So the Boston Celtics will be playing tomorrow night. We don't know what time, Tuesday night at TD Garden. A podcast will be out on Wednesday recapping whatever happens in that game and previewing the next game or the upcoming series, whatever the case may be. It will be posted at 8 a.m., every single morning. So subscribe now on your favorite podcast apps, Spotify, iTunes, Google, Amazon, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, whatever you listen to, go subscribe now so you don't miss an episode. Thanks so much. So let's recap uh, the past week for the Celtics. Of course, last Monday when I posted the podcast like four or five hours later, 
The Boston Celtics announced that Jalen Brown is done for the year with a torn ligament in his left wrist, which is his off-shooting hand. This is basically the same surgery that Romeo Langford had last offseason, uh, you know, when he got hurt in the bubble. But Romeo, I think he was out a little bit longer because it was on his actual shooting hand where Jalen is not on his shooting hand. So that's a positive. Jalen has already had the surgery. He posted on social media uh, late last week. So I'm glad that it went well. Congratulations to Jalen for getting it over and done with. Uh, It's a little bit of weird timing on how he did it, if you ask me. I mean, he, he got hurt, I think, probably in game 53 or 54 of the season. Played three or four more games. Played very well. I think one of the games he actually scored 30 points in. Hit game 58 where he would make more money this year if he did that. And then after he played his 58th game, they called him out for the year. Now, I would never question Jalen Brown about that in any way, shape, or form. I think Jalen Brown cares very much about playing basketball. I think Jalen cares very much about winning. So all that media nonsense that some people are throwing out there basically saying that, you know, He's kind of given up on the team. I don't think, yeah, I think that's a load of crap, to be honest with you. Jalen Brown talked about it with Adrian Wojnarowski on his podcast last week. If you guys haven't checked that out, please go check that out. It's a great interview by Jason. It's probably the most I've ever actually heard him talk publicly, uh, ever, to, <laughs> to be honest with you. So go check that out. And he he said that he talked to Jalen before it all happened, and he gave him the uh, approval. So it's good that Jalen reached out to Jason on that to make sure that you know the two leaders of this team are on the same page. So it sucks that Jalen is gone for sure, but we'll see how the Boston Celtics can recover. Uh, the other thing that was a little bit uh, uh, interesting news, if you will, the Time Lord got an injection on his uh, what I'm going to call parquet toe because I refuse to call it turf toe. So he could be available soon. We'll see how he deals with, with the pain. He did practice over the weekend, so hopefully we get to see him at TD Garden on Tuesday night against the Wizards. It may be limited minutes, but any minutes from the Time Lord is obviously a good thing for this basketball team. And then the games this past week, I mean, this week really just wasn't a lot to talk about. I mean, they lost to the Heat 129-121. to They had a really good opportunity. Jimmy Butler went out, and the Heat's bench is very deep. They have a lot of veterans that can step up that are all-stars, like Gordon Drogic. The Celtics don't have any of that on their bench, and the Heat won the game, and that's sad. Then they lost to the Cavs 102-94. to No Kemba, no Marcus, no Jalen, no Time Lord. Kevin Love dropped 30 points, which, I mean, I don't... I guarantee you he probably hasn't even done that like five or six times this year, so you hate to see that. And then they beat the Minnesota Timberwolves over the weekend, 124-108. to And then yesterday in New York, let's see, no Jalen, no Jason, no Kemba, no Evan, no Tristan, no Rob, no Marcus. So really the top seven guys weren't playing, so it was all the bench guys. And to be honest with you, the bench did pretty well. They hung around. It was a one-possession game. It was a very important game for the Knicks because if the Knicks won that game, they would guarantee of the fourth seed and have uh, home court advantage in the first round of the playoffs. So congratulations uh, to the Knicks. I hate the Knicks. I don't like the Knicks in any way, shape, or form, but I feel like the New York Knicks should always be involved in a conversation when it comes to playoff basketball. It just makes it more enjoyable. New York is obviously the mecca of basketball in the country, if you ask me, you, you know, whether it's Rucker Park, Madison Square Garden, whatever the case may be. So Congratulations to the Knicks. I hate you. I hope you lose in the first round, but it's nice to see the Knicks back in the playoffs for sure. So, oh boy, there's a lot of questions for the Celtics going into the playoffs, going into this playoff game tomorrow night against the Washington Wizards who beat the Charlotte Hornets today by four or five points in Washington, D.C. And I'll give you a full preview of that 
in a little bit, but I just want to talk about some of the major questions going to the playoffs, going into the playoffs, uh, and this playing game for the Celtics. I mean, the first one, of course, is health. I mean, the Celtics have been cursed with health with health issues this year, and I'm not making an excuse saying, oh, that's the only reason why they finished 36-36 and 36 this year. You know, I was completely wrong about the team. I thought they were going to be a top-four team in the East. I talked about that in the season preview. I was absolutely wrong that the seventh seed, 36-36, and 36, not great, Bob. I thought, you know, maybe they would lose, like, 25 26 games and finish a lot better but you know i was i was way off but whether it was covid injuries whatever the case may be it felt like the season was cursed for sure but one positive about the playoffs and this play-in scenario whatever the case may be going forward for the celtics there's no more back-to-backs and that means kemba walker will be playing more and more which i think is good news for the boston celtics i mean since april 2nd he is averaging 17 points a game five assists 47 percent shooting from the field and, and a splash under 40 percent from three so that's a good so that's a good thing and then three out of the last four games kemba has actually played in he scored 32 points or more one of those games is 36 points so I feel like that's a good thing. Kemba can come back to the court uh, on Monday or today to practice with the team, kind of get back into his rhythm a little bit, and hopefully you know, help Jason Tatum and Evan Fournier score the ball. Because right now, Jason Tatum's the number one scoring option, and then it goes to Evan Fournier, and then it kind of drops off a bit, and you hope Kemba Walker can... I don't know. I, I, I'm not asking Kemba to be like old Kemba. I mean, if old Kemba comes back, like, you know, like, let's fucking go. Let's run with this thing. But it, it, we just need someone to step up and help some of the scoring load that Jason and Evan now have with Jalen Brown out. And then the other thing you got to think about is the Time Lord, Robert Williams. His health is very important to this team on both ends of the floor. I mean, obviously, he causes havoc. He can test shots really well. He can defend shots on the defensive end. But his passing ability and how this offense moves is very, very important to the Celtics team. He's a great passer. He can set great screens. Guys move around better with him. The lobs, guys can attack. And then, you know, the... The defenders, instead of kind of attacking the ball after a pick and roll, sometimes they kind of back off to make sure that the Time Lord can't catch a lob, which also means the the drive and dishes uh, or the drive and kick is available as well in the corner where, you know, Aaron Neesmith could be, Evan Fournier, Marcus Smart, whoever the case may be, can hopefully hit some shots for this team and help them move on into the playoffs or win the play-in, again, whatever the case may be. The second question is the rotation. And, of course, that's all going to be based on health. But if, let's say, the Time Lord's back, Marcus is back, Tristan Thompson's back, and Kemba Walker's back, I think Brad Stevens goes eight, maybe nine, but praying that he does not go ten deep. I'm praying. I, uh, your starters are going to be Kemba, Marcus Smart, Evan Fournier, Jason Tatum, and most likely Tristan Thompson. And I said that at the beginning of the year that I think Tristan Thompson – will probably play a lot of minutes in the playoffs because the playoffs kind of slow down a little bit. But if you're playing the Washington Wizards like you are, you can't have Tristan Thompson out there because all the Wizards do is run, 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 run. So hopefully the Time Lord won't be on a minute restriction. Hopefully his parquet toe is okay. But most likely it's probably going to be Kemba, Marcus, Evan, Jason, and Tristan Thompson. And then off the bench you have the Time Lord, Peyton Pritchard, Aaron Neesmith. I feel like those guys are locks. If no Time Lord, do we see a little bit more Cornette? Do you see a little bit more at number 12? Romeo Langford did play well. 
against the Knicks. Jabari Parker also played well against the Knicks. I don't really see Jabari Parker playing a lot. I don't really see Romeo Langford playing a lot. I know that Brad hasn't played Aaron Neesmith a lot lately in these last few games, which is very weird because Aaron, over the last few weeks, has played very, very good, solid basketball, and he deserves a spot in this rotation. But if the game slows down, do we see Jabari? Because he is a bigger bigger body, but he's not that great defensively. Um, he w- I think one of the the bright spots for Aaron Neesmith this year is was that road game in Washington where the Celtics, uh, I think the Celtics lost that game, but Aaron Neesmith played a lot of minutes, and we kind of saw flashes of the his shooting, how he hustles, how he defends, all those things. So I think Aaron Neesmith is an important part of getting a rotation spot for sure. Romeo, okay, maybe. You know me. I don't like Romeo. I'm against that. I hate his shooting. So I think if Brad had to think about who's the better defender, who's the better shooter, the advantage goes to Aaron in both categories. I think it's really damn close, like inches, maybe even centimeters away between the difference between Aaron Neesmith and Romeo Langford. But overall, Aaron Neesmith is a better player and he should be getting these rotation minutes for sure. So health, the rotations, and then the final question that I have about this basketball team heading into the play-in and the playoffs is Jason Tatum. And it's I'm not bashing Jason Tatum here in any way, shape, or form. He's been tremendous. I loved, 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 loved his interview with Adrian Wojnarowski, or Woj. I should probably just say Woj because I can barely say Wojnarowski. Um, but Jason Tatum's interview just showed that, A, he cares, B, he's trying to be a leader, and C, we just got to be patient with it, for sure. Like, he's not ready to lead right now. Mike Gorman said it, but Jason Tatum is doing some things to show some leadership, especially over this weekend. Number one, Jason Tatum didn't have to play against the Minnesota Timberwolves, but what he said on Woj's podcast was basically, I pride myself on being available, and Jason did that, and I thought that showed huge leadership on his end to say, hey, you know what? This game means absolute shit to this organization because no matter what, we're going to be the seventh seed having that first home playoff game for the play-in. I'm still going to play, though, and I love that. And then seeing how vocal he was on the bench at Madison Square Garden, talking to the officials, the whole nine – I love seeing that. So, again, Jason has definitely learned a lot this year. He also talked about how his breathing is still not the same since he's had COVID. So hopefully that can change over the offseason. He talked about playing for Team USA Basketball. He realizes it would be a great opportunity for him. But at the same time, he's also played for like two years straight. (laughs) He needs some rest. I understand the kid's young, but the kid just needs a little bit of a breather from basketball for sure. But back to my original point. This is a perfect chance for Jason Tatum to lead this team on and off the court because the play-in game won't be easy. The playoffs won't be easy. But if he can take a step as a leader and a player, that's great for all parties involved. The coaching staff, the organization, the GM, Jason himself, the fans, his teammates, whatever the case may be. Tatum, of course, has to score the ball. He it, Obviously, duh. But he also has to bring back his defense a little bit. Remember last year, right before the bubble, people were talking about how great of a defender Jason Tatum was. He could basically guard any position on the floor. Maybe not the center, but he could guard a really good wing. He could he could defend Kawhi Leonard. He could defend Paul George. He could defend the, the other team stars players. And that needs to come back. We need that. He also has to rebound the ball well. And then I think more importantly, he's going to get doubled a lot. He's going to get blitzed a lot. He's going to get trapped a lot. So he has to be aware and make good decisions 
find good shots for his teammates, get others involved. Let's make this happen. Jason Tatum, I don't want to say has huge weight on his shoulders this week, uh, you know, or tomorrow in the playing game, whatever the case may be, but Jason Tatum, this is the time for him to step up as a leader and as a player. Like, if people think that he's a top 15 player, hey, let's lift that up to top 10, whatever the case may be. Jason Tatum has to step up. So the health has to be there. Kemba has to pick up his scoring. The rotations can't be too deep. You know, 8, 9 at max. And then Jason Tatum has to step up. And I think that can happen. So let's preview this Washington Wizards playing game tomorrow night at TD Garden. As of 5.30 on Sunday, which is when I'm recording this, we do not have a time yet. Let me just double check my, my phone to see if Shams or Woj or whoever tweeted it out yet i don't see anything about it let me double check just one more time and it looks like they are da, 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 da. yep so no time yet so all good there so tomorrow night td garden the washington wizards come to town whoever is the winner of that game is the seventh seed and will most likely play the brooklyn nets if the Celtics lose, they would play again at home on Thursday against the winner of the Hornets and the Pacers. If the Celtics win that game, they are the eighth seed. If they lose that game, they're out of the playoffs. So basically the Celtics have two opportunities here to make the playoffs. If they lose both, they're out. If they win the first, they're the seventh seed. If they lose the first, win the second, they're the eighth seed. Got it? Great. So these th- these teams have played three times this year, twice at TD Garden and once in Washington, D.C. The Celtics won the two games at the Garden, 116-107 to 107, and 111-110. to 110. The game that they lost was down in Washington, D.C., where they lost 104-91. to 91. The first game this year, it was very early on in the season. No Trishan Thompson, no Kemba Walker, no Time Lord, no Romeo Langford, and no number 12. And they still won. The second game this year, which is the game that they lost, they had no Marcus Smart, no Romeo Langford. Jason Tatum went 3 of 14. Kemba and Jalen were the only ones to score in double figures. So makes sense why the team only scored 91 points. The third game at TD Garden where they won 111 to 110, Bradley Beal dropped 46. Russell Westbrook dropped 24. Bertons dropped 20. And they still won the game. The Celtics still won the game. So (laughs) that could happen again. Bertrands is a hell of a shooter. His pick-and-pop game is legit, and the Celtics have to to be aware of that. Obviously, Russell Westbrook and uh, Bradley Beal combining for 70 points. I feel like Scott Brooks and Washington Wizards fans would be content with that every single game. But in that game, no Jalen Brown, no Marcus Smart, no Romeo Langford, but Daniel Tice did drop 20, and Jason Tatum dropped 31. So a couple new little phases of the game here. Obviously, Evan Fournier is part of this system now, so Scott Brooks needs to change some things up there. Daniel Tice isn't part of this anymore. No Jalen Brown, but we should have Marcus and Romeo available for the game. So things could change a little bit, but obviously if Kemba can score in double figures, Tatum can score in double figures, Evan can score in double figures, you're looking good for sure. So what do the Wizards do well that will probably cause an issue for the Celtics? Well, number one, they have Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook has more heart than anyone in this league. He just broke the 
NBA record for most triple doubles in a career, 182 triple doubles, passing Oscar Robinson, a record that no one thought would ever be be broken. And no one plays with more heart than Russell Westbrook. And you also have to think, if Russell Westbrook can lead the Washington Wizards to this game, he gets to play Kyrie, James Harden, and Kevin Durant in round one of the playoffs. And you're telling me that that dude won't be motivated for that? You're out of your mind. Seriously, you're out of your mind because he used to play with James Harden in OKC, and you know him and KD don't like each other. So he's obviously motivated there. So obviously Russell Westbrook's... (laughs) Having Russell Westbrook is definitely an advantage for them, for sure. Number two, they have Bradley Beal. Bradley Beal, he, I think he came in second this year to Steph Curry in the scoring title. I think Steph Curry won it today when they were playing the Grizzlies. But he can drop 50 points at any time, any time he wants to. He didn't shoot the, the ball that well today. He's coming off a hamstring strain, so it'll be interesting to see how his hamstring reacts to playing today. Or, I'm sorry, Sunday. Uh, if you're, or yesterday, if you're listening today. Whatever the case may be. He played on Sunday against the Charlotte Hornets, and well, he didn't shoot the ball that well, which scares the living daylights out of me because now he's going to know what his body's like, and then he's going to start shooting well, and then we're going to lose, of course, right? Because that's just how it works. And then they also have the third highest scoring offense in the NBA. The Celtics have the 16th. The Celtics are a much, and when I mean much, a much better three-point shooting team by a lot. Shows how much they love to attack the rim, that being the Washington Wizards. The Washington Wizards suck at shooting the three ball, but they have the third highest scoring offense in the league. So they love to get to the rim. They love those little mid-range jumpers. The Celtics have to be ready to defend that for sure. I wouldn't be surprised if we see a 2-3 zone from Brad. I'm not even kidding you because that's how bad the Wizards are at three-point shooting. Number four, they're rebounding just a tad better, and they have a little bit better ball movement. But I know I've been saying this all year, and I know you guys are probably sick of hearing it, but the Celtics are finished the year 23 and 5 with 25 assists or more. One of those wins was against the Wizards this year. Yeah, no joke. The Celtics had 13 wins. Or 13 wins without 25 assists. That means the Celtics went 13 and 31 when they had under 25 assists, 23 and 5 with 25 assists or more. Now, I'm not a rocket scientist, I'm not a math major, but that seems pretty simple to me. Move the goddamn ball, especially because no team plays at a faster pace than the Washington Wizards. And that leads me to transition defense. The Celtics transition defense has to be literally the most important part of this basketball game because off of a turnover, the Wizards are going to not run. They're going to sprint down the floor. After a missed shot, they are going to sprint down the floor. The Celtics have half, half, half to get back on defense. I'm begging them to get back on defense. I really am. They also got to move the ball around. I talked about that. Everyone should be in ball. When the ball doesn't move, you suck. When the ball does move, you are a better team. Men lie, women lie, numbers don't. Jay-Z said that in a song one time, and the numbers don't lie. When the Celtics move the ball around, they're good. Now, every once in a while, we're going to get a Tatum ISO. That's fine. He's good at it at times. I think he's like what did he say in the Woj podcast? I think he there's only two other players in the NBA that has hit more step-back threes in the past like two or three seasons than Jason Tatum, and it's Luka and Dame. So we're going to see some step-back three-pointers from Jason Tatum, and I'm okay with that. It just can't be every single time down the floor. Number three for me, Jason Tatum has to want to beat 
Bradley Beal. They are good friends. They're buddies. I would love to see them playing together. I would streak down Causeway Street if Bradley Beal was a part of the Boston Celtics this offseason. It's never going to happen, but I'm just saying. They're going to go back and forth. Jason Tatum has to play better than Bradley Beal. Jason Tatum can play better than Bradley Beal, and then the rest of the Celtics can play better than Russell Westbrook, we're going to be the seventh seed. Simple as that. And then, last but not least, Brad cannot be cute. He can't. Like, he's got that gigantic zit on his head right now. And I don't know if anyone's seen that. That thing is massive. And, he, like, he just can't overthink things, especially with the rotation. You, he has to realize who's on the court. If Bertans is on the court, he's obviously going to need a stretch for maybe, you know, Cornette to block a shot, to defend the three-point shot, to be able to defend the pick-and-pop, the pick-and-roll, whatever the case may be. Peyton Pritchard is going to have to match the energy of Ishmith. I mean, Ishmith today in the Hornets game, 14 points, 8 boards, 7 assists. And then you also have to worry about Rui Hachimori. I think he's coming off the bench now for this team. That's a very good player. Aaron Neesmith is going to have to defend him well as well. I don't want to see Grant Williams against Rui Hachimori. I will literally jump off the Zakem if that's the case. And then Brooke Lopez. He's, you know, if, if Time Lord's playing, Tristan Thompson has to match Brooke Lopez's energy off the bench. I'm sorry, not Brooke Lopez. My bad. He plays in Milwaukee. Robin Lopez, his crazy twin brother. Robin Lopez has to be beaten by Tristan Thompson on both ends of the floor and energy-wise as well. So I did not want to play the Wizards. I didn't. Um, but the fact that the Celtics could get a second chance at this thing and be the eighth seed and then play the 76ers, uh, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what I want. I, I, w- I would like a win. I would like some confidence for this team. But obviously, I, I you know going forward, if they do lose to the Wizards, and I'm very confident that they can beat the Pacers and the Horn or the Pacers or the Hornets on Thursday and then play the Philadelphia 76ers. I you know, obviously the Celtics have beat the Philadelphia 76ers the last few years in the playoffs, but Joel Embiid hasn't been playing the same way as he, you know, as he has before. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm already stressed about the game to be honest with you. So, we'll see how it all plays out, but tomorrow night TD Garden Wizards, Celtics. If the Celtics win, they're the seventh seed. If they lose, back at TD Garden Thursday night to play the winner of the Pacers and Hornets game, which will be taking place in Indiana on Tuesday night as well. And if the Celtics win that game, they'll be the eighth seed. And if the Celtics lose that game, the season is over. So that's it for episode 125 of the Banner Banter podcast. Just a reminder to you, episode 126 will be out on Wednesday morning. Bright and early, 8 a.m. Subscribe now so you don't miss it. And I'm looking forward to talking to you guys all po- uh, all podcast long, all playoff long. Hopefully it's a long playoff run. If not, it is what it is. I'm going to be angry, but, you know, part of me, wallet-wise, as a season ticket holder, my wallet will probably be thrilled. But that's it for episode 125 of the Banner Banter Podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. Thanks for listening. Thanks for all your support, as always. Don't forget to go to BigNightShop.com and get yourself some Banner Banter Podcast merchandise if you'd like. Really appreciate it. And that's it. Talk to you guys soon. Toodles and noodles. X's and O's. Bye-bye. Sorry, but I'm gone. I'm history. And I dedicated my life to the Boston Celtics. I dedicated my life to the fans of Boston. I did my very best to please each and every one of you. Good night.